Welcome to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. My name is Shango Los, and I will be your host today. Jeff Church, also known as Reverend Cannabis, has been extracting medicine from cannabis for over 15 years. He has worked with every modern solvent and solventless extraction process, including dry extraction, ethanol, and ISO alcohol, water extraction, butane, and CO2. His business, Conscious Extracts, produces exceptional extracts sold in dispensaries throughout Washington. He also consults for legal cannabis processors and pharmaceutical companies. He worked to develop and implement the medical marijuana hashish rating system for consumers and patients. Reverend Cannabis was formerly Dean of the Cannabis College and has worked extensively on cannabis reform with the Committee for Cannabis Standards and Ethics, the Cannabis Defense Coalition, and the Patient Arrest Protection Group. Welcome, Reverend Cannabis. Hello. I know you to be fascinated by historical hash production as well as being on the cutting edge of the newest techniques. In what ways do you see modern hash production as similar and dissimilar to historical techniques? Well, so, you know, modern hash has really risen out of all of the historical techniques that we have. Um, You know, the basic types of hashish production, sieving, uh, and... uh, and hand rubbing kind of translate over into the new things that we're doing. The, the hand rubbing is similar to the live resin that we have nowadays. Um, and the, uh, the sieving, you know, we've taken that to the purest form where now we've got 99% uh, pure trichrome heads uh, in our dry sift. Um, so th- there's, there's quite a few things. The one thing uh, that historically hasn't been done as much is uh, the use of solvents. And so that's a fairly new thing, especially CO2. Um, But, uh, you know, there's been ethanol extraction in in history, and and that's kind of just stayed around. You know, the old world techniques have really proved uh, to be worthwhile over time. Uh, And yeah, so I, I would see them very similar. The only main difference is today we have all of the technology that we can apply to this. And so where you were only able to get so pure of a product with old world techniques, uh, we're able to step it up with a little bit of uh, science and uh, get a lot pure extract. So, um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, old school is going to be the best way to do things. But in this case, you're saying that, yeah, the, the old ideas and maybe the goal of, of the end product is the same. But, but we can apply science that we have now to create a better end product. Yeah, we can be a little bit more selective in uh, what we're actually getting out of an extract. We can remove any, uh, you know, chlorophylls through different solvent extractions. We, we've been, you know... With the refinement in screening uh, techniques, we've been able to get really, really nice dry sift. Um, you know, the, the the quality of products has just risen quite a bit. Um, now, that's not to say that that the efficacy has changed all that much. Uh, we're just getting to a more pure more potent, more pleasurable um, extract nowadays. In what ways do you think it's more pleasurable? Well, I believe that the, uh, the terpenes uh, really make it a lot more pleasurable. Uh, if you look to extraction um, you know, with solvents, uh, traditionally it was done with ethanol. Um, and to purge out the ethanol, you really lose all of those volatile uh, uh, terpenes, you know, the... Uh, sesquiterpenes that that they just they they fly away really quick with the ethanol when you're removing it um so i think that there's been great strides made in uh doing um 
cryo extraction, cold extraction uh, of cannabis with butane where they're able to uh, retain a lot of the terpenes. Um, there's also been lots of uh, terpene extraction uh, from cannabis that's been started as of recently. Um, and so that's, you know, it's a whole new frontier from just your plain old RSO. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of the historical um, hashish production techniques, you know, they were, they were, done in geographic specific regions of the world and they are being done with land races mm-hmm. whereas nowadays most of us i mean some of us have land races but mostly they're 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 hybrids that we have created for modern cannabis production um do you do you think that um uh, the the increase in the potency of the modern hybrids versus um you know historical land races has has created a significantly different product or or do you think that they are they're mostly just similar but maybe with just a different flavor profile well so you know i mean traditionally when when uh, you've been making hashish it's been in a region like you know say afghanistan uh they they have a really indica dominant uh um pool of genetics there and it's very suited towards sieving of hashish so you get a really really nice dry resin um and you know all of these different types of of uh, cannabis that we have nowadays with the hybrids they don't all lead to hashish extraction in that dry sieve method you know uh there's you can definitely do any plant dry sieve but some plants are going to be better. That being said, there's some that are better for water extraction, some that are better for butane extraction. So it's kind of, you know, today we we kind of have to, with the large plethora of strains out there, we have to, to look at the material, analyze it by doing it, uh, doing the, the different processes to that certain strain and deciding on what the very best processing method is, where historically, you know, you had fairly similar things being produced in one region so you would see uh you know a lot of plants that were hand rubbed in the himalayas uh they they have a a certain type of cannabis that's that's there and it's a bit different than what they have down in afghanistan where they're or morocco uh where they're doing a lot of sieving um so yeah getting away from those land races has made it a little bit more difficult but because we have so many different methods to choose from nowadays uh you don't need to just extract by sieving alone um we've kind of gotten around that we've progressed with the plant that's really interesting that the that the different strains um they all have their own use Mm -hmm. and so you know as somebody like yourself who has done this a bunch um can you give us a couple examples like for example if you were looking for a plant that is going to be better for sieving versus a a a solvent extraction technique what are you actually going to be looking for in the plant and i encourage you to like you know name a couple strains even though strains tend to be regional in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways you know give give some um, more concrete examples so you know i'll I'll start off with afgui that's my very favorite strain for production of high quality um, hashish from the water extraction method Um, and it it two works well with dry sift um the one thing about that strain is the resin heads seem to cure so well that they they're just brittle and they they pop right off and there is a large amount of resin on there now uh afgui it's an afghan um cross uh and so that that one was really produced and bred over time to be for dry sip production. And then it was brought out to California and bred, and now we have the Afgui. Um, now, that being said, the, the Afgui's flavor is just kind of sweet. 
there's really nothing too terribly much that stands out with that. Um, you know, so I myself prefer other strains for their terpene contents that, that are a little bit more strong and a little bit more um, in the haze range. Now, haze plants, uh, I, I really have a hard time extracting those uh, with dry um, material as the resin heads seem to be a, a bunch more cemented onto their stocks. Uh, so, you know, anything like um, dog shit or shram, those strains don't give up their resin as easily as afgui. Afgui, our record was uh, 2.75 ounces from one pound of material. Um, and, and that was all four-star, high-quality uh, bubble or greater. Some was five-star, but at least four-star from that. Where if you run another strain, um, you know, you're just going to end up with some two-star. Uh, and it's not going to be as tasty. So those sort of strains um, you would want to process with a solvent uh, to get the most efficacy of the cannabinoids present in the plant material. Because you're, you know, if you're only getting a 5% yield with uh, water extraction, uh, and then you bump it over to uh, a solvent and you're getting 10 to 15% yield, you're being a lot more efficient. Yeah, I follow, I follow. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, uh, two and three star, and this is the star-based hash grading system that you helped develop uh, for producers and consumers. So, you know, you developed that a couple years ago, and now, a couple years later, do you still find it is it is as um, inclusive as when it was originally devised? And where are you finding that hash is going in directions that you could never have expected and, and, the, and the star rating system um, needs to be adapted? So why don't you explain a little bit about it for, for yeah. folks who are listening who aren't familiar with it, and then, and then kind of talk about if you're still finding it as appropriate now as you did when it was devised. So the, the star rating system, it was originally devised by a good buddy of mine who has been making hashish uh, for just as long as I have. We, we've made hashish together for years, um, and uh, he goes by Milton Bubbly on Instagram. He's, uh, he was the owner of the hashish bar in Oakland called The Bazaar. And so when they opened up their hashish bar, they... You know, they, they were really into making hashish, and they, they wanted to have a hash bar. Measure Z allowed for basically you to do within your private uh, um, home or business, you were able to have a social club to allow for the distribution of hashish and marijuana and people to collectively smoke. And so he really wanted to have a grading system that reflected uh, the hash uh, quality to the consumer. Um, you know, everything had been pretty much $20, $25 a gram. Retail was hash's standard price. But there was a lot of stuff that was lower quality than that, and it didn't really deserve to fetch that high price. But just because it was hashish, it got that price. And then there were a lot of things that were higher price, or that were higher quality than that, that should have been fetching a higher price because they were much more rare, uh, much more high in potency. Um, but they weren't able to attain the same prices that uh, BHO at the time was able to attain. And so the idea was uh, make a one through six star system. One star being basically no milt, uh, doesn't want to press. Two star presses, melts a tiny bit. Three star, it'll melt into a lump 
um, and you know kind of boil into that lump four star will will boil into a puddle it'll basically kind of come into a lump and then boil flat into a puddle and continue to boil uh, five star will do the same boil into a puddle and then it will boil big clear domes that take up basically the whole um, the whole space of where the hashish is melting on the screen and the contaminant itself is pushed out to the edges of the screen uh, by the bubble um, and when that pops you actually can see the bare screen down below it where previously there had been hashish boiling uh, so that's kind of the five stars that crater uh, once you get that crater to form um, that's five star and then six star is uh, pretty much uh, just the same consistency as hash oil just you know a little bit more contaminated than hash oil because there's some cellulose and wax uh, that's actually in uh, the resin head itself that when you do a solvent extraction that's left behind um, so yeah that's a one through six star and uh, it's, it's really served uh, the patient uh, community very well, as well as the, uh, it's starting to serve the recreational community. Um, you know, people are able to say, hey, you know, this is my budget. Um, I want to be able to get at least this quality. So I'll, I'll purchase, you know, this much in this star range, you know. And then some people are like, I want the very best. And so they'll only look for four or five and six star. Um, and so it kind of, you know, there's, there's, there's different patients out there that have different needs. And, uh, and so this kind of helps fulfill them and gives them a path uh, to walk down. Um, as far as the future, um, you know, we've, we, we've come into... 2015 with this working really well. It's uh, it's getting widely adopted. Um, you know, a greener today, uh, a dispensary around here that helped publicize the star rating system has now jumped on board. They've got a sixth star on their rating system because they see the the need for having this these different high quality uh, differentiations and um, you know the the industry is really picking up on it, which I think is great for the consumer. But we don't really have anything to differentiate anything other than milt at this point. So how well is your hashish milting? Um, that's a direct relation to how, uh, what is the level of cannabinoids and terpenes in your extraction. The more you have, the better it's going to melt. Um, so it definitely shows quality, um, but there's a a category of quality that it cannot cover, and that's flavor, right? So flavor is pretty much left out in the star rating system. And moving forward, having uh, things such as rosin uh, coming forward, you know, basically every rosin is a six star plus, right? But when you hit it, not every rosin tastes great. Some things that are made from low-quality hashish don't have a good flavor. They have a, a flavor similar to the low-quality hashish. Now, they're way higher in quality, um, way higher in purity than that low-quality hashish was, but they're still kind of on that lower end, um, where if you take a higher-quality hashish or a flour and, and make the rosin from that, it's going to hit that higher-quality um, level. And I think that really we need to devise a system for that that's above and beyond the star rating system. Something that, that really we can apply a quality standard to 
the products so that consumers will be able to say, oh, well, you know, this is only this good and, and that one is way better because it was rated that way. The one issue I see with that is that uh, it, you know the star rating system very easy to determine just by looking at it. Everybody has a, a very good visual uh, cue. You know you can look at it, but every person's palate is different. So something that tastes wonderful to me could not taste as good to you. And so it's that's that's the struggle. You know we've got to try and figure out a way to reflect the quality, um, but not have it be in such a way that somebody might think that it's higher quality uh, more than another, right? It's, it, you know, the star rating system really keeps uh, hash producers honest um, as well as informing the consumer. Um, and I think that, that, you know, if we're just saying, oh, well, this tastes better, it, it would be really easy for a hash maker to just say, oh, well, all of mine are in this higher category, even if they're not. So... We've got to work together as a community to figure this out. Sure, I can imagine that, that you know, <clears throat> we all have our favorite strains and the terpene profiles that we like the most. And so maybe, maybe not a judgment call about um, which flavor is actually preferred, but actually how much terpene there is to begin with. Mm -hmm. And then, so then we know, um, you know, how much, how much aroma or floral it's going to have to begin with. And then within that, you find your, your particular niche. So the one funny thing about that, I've totally thought, you know, let's just base it on terpene milligrams, right? And then I started really thinking about it. There is a huge difference in between all the different terpenes. So if you've got something that's very, very close to what the flower is, you're going to have uh, a profile very, very similar. If you heat it a little bit too much, those terpenes are going to transform into other terpenes. And so what may be an off flavor could register in a lab as a very high terpene result. But because they were changed so much in the process, it's not very palatable to the consumer, even though its numbers are very high. So it's, it, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing, you know, what, you know, possibly how close is that ratio to the to the flower that you originally uh, extracted it from could be uh, could be the mark of quality how how far off are you are you you know Right on. Um, it'll, be, it'll be really interesting to find out how that evolves. I mean, um, now that legalization is taking hold in, in so many states, there's so many more people talking about this, and the information is being exchanged so much more quickly through Facebook and Instagram and, and, and people meeting at, at cups and all these things that it seems like there's a, you know, if you were looking at it on a graph, it'd look like a hockey stick where suddenly, you know, hashish had come this far during the last couple thousand years, and then suddenly it's just taken off. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, to the moon for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's quite drastic, you know. I mean, we we look at rosin and it's it's in its infancy, and thousands and thousands of people around the world are doing this brand new extraction technique, and uh, yeah. Well, let's 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 go right into that. I was going to hit on the rosin tech uh, in a little while, but um, but since you since we go that way, let's let's talk about it Just because I, I you know a lot of people probably have not come across this yet. Um, I came across it I think soon after um, uh, Soil Grown down in Southern California developed his technique. I was lucky enough to be following his Instagram feed, and uh, he started posting these how-to videos. But um, uh, since you have spoken with him directly and 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 have been you know kind of 
teaching people around the world now how to do it. Why don't you just go ahead and, and kind of summarize what this new evolution is and, and uh, you know, give the, give the credits where they're due for folks. Yeah. So, you know, I'd, I'd love to give a little uh, quick history of, of what happened for soil growing, at least from, you know, my third party account of what's going on here. So soil grown uh, it is a ice water extraction uh, maker down in California, and he loves to smoke milk. That's his favorite. You know, he loves the milty hash, and he started running low on his milty hash. And so he had noticed when he squished some, some lower quality hash, kind of squeezing it out to make a dab, that when he squished it a little too long, some hash oil kind of leaked out to the edges of where that hashish was and the contaminants sort of stayed in the center. So he started collecting that up and, and really turning like two star hash into five star hash, you know, and it was quite an amazing, amazing thing. And then he ran out of his half milk, you know, that he had been making uh, into, you know, higher milk and kind of processing. and. So he says he was just standing around. He says, I don't know what, what made me do it exactly, but I was just standing around with my father-in-law, and I just took a piece of bud and put it in between a parchment and squished it because I had been doing that with the hashish and was just like, ah, let's see what happens. And so folks who don't know what he's squishing it in, what, what, what's he squishing it in? Yeah. It's a pretty big deal. So, really. so basically uh, w- what it is is you take a piece of silicone-coated uh, parchment paper, baking paper, um, and fold it in half and you uh, put a piece of flour in there and then soil grown's original method was uh, take a flat iron which is you know just your basic hair straightener uh, $20 or less um, and you put it at it depends on you know who you're talking to what the temperature is I personally like 230 degrees Uh, it's not as quick but I feel like the, the, the terps are a little bit better but you basically just you've got your bud in between a parchment and you squeeze it with this hot iron Um, and what happens is the cannabinoids and terpenes um, rupture out of the resin heads uh, that are on the flower and they become liquid and so there's a little bit of steam action because there's some water uh, that that water content in the flour Um, but basically that steam action and and the uh, the cannabinoids becoming liquid because of heat drives them out to uh, the sides of the bud with the pressure that you're applying and so what, what you end up with is a completely solventless uh, dab that is very very similar to BHO in my opinion um, better flavor uh, more more terpene content than BHO made from the same uh, type of material um, and it's it's a you know from bud to dab in 30 seconds so yeah people are uh, you know when people come across this on his Instagram feed which you can find at soil grown or in the Facebook group that's presently exists called Rosen Tex. Um, people are really blown away. It's, you know, to, to, to go from a position where we're using all this, you know, complex recipes and expensive technologies, if we're talking about CO2, to, <laughs> to, get the, uh, to get the hash oil. And then suddenly to have somebody realize that you can just, you know, wrap a bud in parchment and sque- squeeze it in a hair straightener. And suddenly you're getting, you know, six plus star hash with no solvents. It's perfect for patients. It's, 
it's a real game changer for everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know, the only thing that's holding back right now is uh, the ability to produce it on a large scale. Uh, and, you know, uh, when I was down with uh, my buddy down at the Bazaar in Oakland, the guy who helped create the star system, um, you know, we used a, flat, uh, a T-shirt press because he didn't have a flat iron. He knew nothing about it at all. And, you know, we were just messing around and, and uh, grabbed this, this uh, T-shirt press and started squishing out hash. And then we said, oh, you know, we need a filter to hold back this hash because we're only getting five star, you know. And uh, so he said, well, let's use the pressing screen from the bubble bags and we'll just toss it, toss the hash in there and see what happens. And lo and behold, six star shoot it, uh, sh- shot out of it, you know, and... Uh, it was it was quite an amazing uh, quite an amazing discovery that's kind of changed the world, you know. Soil grown, I don't know if he if he realizes it, but he has created a whole new category of extraction. I mean, we had mechanical extraction, which is dry sift and bubble hash, and then we had solvent extraction, which is CO two, BHO, PHO, ethanol. You you name it, uh, you, you can use pretty much most most uh, nonpolar solvents. Um, and this has created a whole new no-solvent um, heat extraction, heat and pressure extraction. And so I think that moving forward in the world, this being such a small footprint, when you, when you look at what is your production method uh, doing to the resources of the world, you know, I mean, ice water has been great. You know, it's you're you're using water. Water is scarce in some places of the world, but you know, you're not really polluting the water that bad unless you've got horrible material you're using. You know, that's coated in pesticides and such. But it, you know, it's it, it's been a minimal footprint. But then you jump over to this rosin tech and. Every day, the footprint's getting less and less. You know, you've got a little bit of electricity required, um, and and a, a small amount of uh, of equipment, and you've got a product that is solvent free. So it really liberates hash oil, like for the people, if you will, right? Because mm-hmm. like so often, you, you either need um, you know uh, an advanced technical skill, or you need expensive machinery. Mm-hmm. And you need to have access to a lot of product to justify that as well. But now suddenly, you know, if you want to do it real small, you can literally take, you know, one of the buds out of your eighth and squeeze it. And now you have your own personal dab that you made at home yourself. And you don't have to go through all these intermediary people. And even even if you, you know, upgrade and you're doing larger amounts in a t-shirt press, it's still something that you can do with a, you know, $300 piece of equipment and some parchment paper. And, mm-hmm. and now suddenly this, this power is in the hands of everybody. Yeah. And, you know, that was the most important thing for me, uh, you know, uh, with any new technology, you see a lot of hoarding going on, and uh, it, it, it's tough for every human, you know? I mean, we are designed to go out there, find the best thing, hold it for ourselves to make a profit off of it. That's just built into our genes, and it, it really just, you know, blows me away that there are people out there, such as soil grown, that didn't have that thought, that said... 
no, let's just give this to the people, you know. And uh, when Space uh, Milton Budley and I came up with the method down in Oakland uh, of using the uh, 25 micron screen, you know, it, it was it was pretty much a no brainer. We have to get this technique out to the world so that everybody can be able to do this. For one, I I want it to be you know applied on a commercial scale. And I feel that releasing this technique to the world is going to up the research that is going into this. I mean, every single person that's doing this now is researching some way to make it better, which is just, it's great, and posting it on this Rosentex group, you know. Um, But even more important than that is the children. You know, we have kids that are getting a little turkey baster, stuffing it full of herb and putting a coffee filter on the bottom of it and blasting butane in their kitchen, which is the worst thing that you could ever do. You know, they, they're endangering themselves and others. People have died. People have burned themselves really bad from processing of cannabis just to get a dab that is the same dab as you'd be able to get from rosin. And so now this technique... It's out there for the world so that we don't have to have as many hashish manufacturing explosions, which are very bad for uh, our progression into mainstream culture of cannabis, you know, and cannabis extracts. You know, a lot of places have been scared off and and banned cannabis extracts uh, from even being produced uh, because they don't want people doing it at home and blowing themselves up. I hear that, you know, and the reason why I haven't done butane extraction for many, many years now is because of the safety. I I felt that the way that I was doing it was only so safe, both for my health and breathing all the fumes, um, but also for everybody else around me. What if I blew myself up while I was doing it? So, you know, that's kind of why we gravitated towards CO2. Uh, you know, it's still a dangerous uh procedure to do but you have to buy closed loop equipment that is manufactured to really high quality specs to be able to even do co2 so we felt comfortable that the equipment we were using was good and that the footprint uh you know our ecological footprint from co2 was a lot better than just open blasting cans and allowing them to evaporate into the atmosphere we're using you know, reclaimed CO2 for our extractions uh, rather than, uh, you know, using something that's mined out of the earth. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, you, you touched on the idea of, of crowdsourcing um, the, the, the evolution, right? I remember, I remember seeing Soil Grown's posts to Instagram and, um, uh, you know, he was, it was like four or five days in a row, and each day he was he was posting another short video of each step of the process. And um, I, I I started seeing them at like day three or something. And as I watched the first three days, you know, being a cannabis entrepreneur myself, I can almost feel the ground shake in the industry that this was such a disruptive technology. And I, and I was like, my God, I can't wait until day four to see how he finishes this <laughs> because this is amazing. And then the idea that he was just giving away his intellectual property and letting this be open source so that, 
you know, folks didn't have to use butane and so that they can make it at home. And, you know, all sorts of folks in the Midwest who are in, you know, states where legalization is still coming along, but coming along slowly, this is suddenly allows people to be able to make their own clean dabs at home while they get their local laws straight. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty radical stuff. And now we've got, you know, Facebook group where people are, ex- are exchanging their technologies. Um, I think it's pretty uh, pretty incredible that now we can all work together. I mean, heck, even even our conversation here, right? I mean, this is thanks to you know Gondrepreneur.com and the internet and the fact that you and I you know f- find each other on the internet and we get together and talk. This is all stuff that that you know the generation before us didn't have a chance to do. That's pretty great, right? You know, I, I feel that in this new time that we're in, with the internet being so readily available for everybody. Um, it's it's really important for everybody to utilize that. Um, you know, there are going to be trade secrets in the cannabis industry. You know, I know um, I actually had previous uh, knowledge uh, of it was maybe two months prior to Soil Grown's experiments of people doing um, hydraulic uh, and heat uh, extraction is what they said. They said heat and pressure, rather. They, I, I don't know the actual you know, machine that they're using because they were very secretive. They said, we have this solventless shatter that we have made from bubble hash, and you know, they, were, they were selling it. And they, they had come up with a great method for it uh, that was working but they were unwilling to tell anybody anything more than heat and pressure and so you know with the internet being out there there's only so long that you are going to have to hold down any technique nowadays because somebody else is going to figure it out and post it online and I think that you know soil grown he's not the guy that first did this the first guy that did this you know was probably a long, long time ago, honestly. I mean, really, the first guy that ever pressed some rosin was, uh, was well, you know, there's Compassion, who was the guy that, that did it back in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, but before that, it's the guy in Morocco that was manning the press, you know. He squished his hashish into bricks and oil, would squirt out on the sides and they would collect up that oil and it would be a red oil because it had been heated a whole bunch but that was the first rosin you know and i mean it's it's been this progression but nobody's really kind of picked up on it as a technique only kind of like a side thing that that's happened and and certainly no one's put it in a hair straightener (laughs) right and so so now we've we've we, we had this you know whole dab culture that came on that 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 really was BHO prevalent, and now we've moved it over towards uh, dry sift and, and solventless. Everybody got a hair straightener to press out their bubble into a dab before they hit it. And so most people had the equipment at home to make this as soon as Soil Grown was, was willing to just give it to the world. Um, so I think, I, I think the internet is, is going to continue to be... Uh, one of the best places to learn you know i just went over to spain and so i i I met with a lot of people from all over the world and um you know i feel like on the west coast here we're a couple years ahead of anywhere else in the world uh but the guys from the uk they really have a very similar um 
level of uh, of product. Their their product is very well refined. Looks very similar to you know the BHO that we've got on the West Coast is what they're producing in the UK, and that's that's because of the language barrier is non-existent. They can follow as many Americans as they want and read every single comment, read every everything on there. And Instagram has really taught these people how to make high quality extracts. Where you go to Spain uh, and talk with the Spanish people and they definitely have a love for it but their knowledge that they've been able to gain from everybody else on Instagram is not as high because they have this language barrier. They're, it's not in their, their main language so there's less of them that are, that are going there. So. So we've been talking a lot about um, getting the cleanest dabs possible and, and, and getting as close to the source flower material as possible. And a lot of people are still using BHO for extraction. And you know, even though it gets a lot of flack for both the health concerns and the you know the potential danger in the extraction. Um, so what do you think? Do you think that BHO still has a place in the legal hash oil market? I definitely think that uh, BHO has a place in the legal hash market. Uh, I think. You know, rosin is definitely going to become more and more popular, um, but there's something to be said about a hydrocarbon extraction. Um, you can get near 100% of the cannabinoids out of the material uh, utilizing enough solvent. Um, and so I think that for a lot of the kind of recycling of material, butane is going to be uh, very much in use. You know, if you think about it, you're making flour rosin, uh, you're going to have a ton of leftover material. If you grind that all up and do a hydrocarbon pass on that after you've gotten your rosin, then you have another product that can be utilized all kinds of different ways. You can uh, make that into the clear concentrate type of, uh, of product, uh, or you could, you know, make that, uh, you know, an edible um, oil. It's not going to be something that you're going to want to smoke without purification, probably. Um, but it's, uh, I think that there's always going to be a place for it. Um, so, you know, that not all trim is high quality. And so if you make uh, rosin from low quality material, it's going to be lower quality flavor. Um, so there's always going to be, there's always going to be the best process for any given type of material. I, I just think that rosin is going to fill a lot more of that gap, um, you know, so it will kind of eat away from bubble hash and CO2 and butane. And I feel that, you know, CO2 extraction, a lot of people love that. They definitely do. But uh, it's, you know, it and PHO are going to be the you know, the less used uh, process, uh, you know, kind of more on the, the recycling, getting getting all the waste taken care of. Uh, you know, there's there's definitely been been lots of uh, lots of people getting into purified cannabinoids uh, and I think that the market is always going to want that. But terpene content for me is is always a huge thing it it modulates the effects of the cannabinoids uh, it acts as a solvent on the cb1 and cb2 receptors to allow for um, thc and cbd uh, that are caked on the receptive surface uh, to be uh, dissolved so that they may more readily pass uh, in through the receptors um, 
so there's there's a lot of use to having that that whole plant but that's not to say that some of the fractions aren't good so you mentioned that you had just gotten back from uh, from Spain, where you were there for the Secret Cup and for Spanibus. And um, because I follow your your Instagram feed, um, uh, I've got to see some of the celebrities that you were interacting with. So so why don't you tell folks a little bit about Spanibus and what you got to see and do there, just so that we can all kind of geek along with you. Yeah, so Spanibus was an epic adventure. It's been many years since I've been to Barcelona, and it was way different. Uh, last time I was in Barcelona, uh, the experience of uh, cannabis there was going to La Rambla and going down to the little park at the end and scoring some Moroccan hashish from the street dealer. That was the best I could do back in 2002. And I, I came to Spain and lo and behold, they have social clubs there. I mean, and it is, you know, very similar to what you would have uh, in Amsterdam back in 2002, back in the day. Uh, they have a bar there where you can get uh, drinks, uh, you know, whether it's a smoothie uh, or a fresh juice or coffee or beer or wine. They have, uh, they have that going on. And then they'll also have uh, a, a bar where you can buy flowers and concentrates. So they'll have, you know, different uh, ice water extractions, butane extractions and, and flowers and it's it's really quite uh, an amazing atmosphere, you know. They they've done it uh, as a social club uh, rather than you know it being just purely recreational or purely medical. It's kind of not any of that. It's just you're coming in and, and socializing and, and using cannabis. So I guess it's more on the recreational side. Um, but that being said, I mean, everything, I guess it's illegal in Spain. They just have really good privacy laws. So people have said, well, we're going to just do this within our own home and the police have no right to come inside our home or business. So we're just going to do it. Um, but yeah, that, that was, uh, it was really wonderful. And, and so, you know, I got to go to uh, Spanibus for a couple days and met with people from all over the world uh, that brought samples of hashish uh, to be turned into rosin. Um, the, my, my favorite uh, extraction that I did while I was there was uh, Matt the Great Gardener from Canada. He uh, had his second place winning uh, bubble hash uh, made from barb. And uh, so... At Dabadoo, he won second place. Um, he actually put in, you know, the stuff that he put in as an entry wasn't quite as good as what he had brought for himself. Uh, and so, you know, when I when I met up with him, he had this, what was the second place winner, but the better grade of it. And we took that and turned it into rosin. And it was just spectacular. And, you know... It, it was it was a really great experience seeing well-known extract artists from all over the world just geeking and freaking that this was happening in 30 seconds in front of them. They're like, you, you just took that hashish and turned it into hash oil like that. It was it it was you know amazing. So so that was it a, kind of kind of puts you in a role of like kind of Johnny Appleseed of of of. Uh, Rosentech. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, I mean, we really got to show it to the world. And so, you know, at, at uh, 
it's Ban Abyss. I was hanging out with uh, Mark uh, Bubble Man. Uh, for, he, you know, he sells bubble bags up there. So he had a little booth there at uh, Medical Seeds. Who actually, uh, the guy Javier uh, from Medical Seeds, he was uh, the first place secret cup solventless winner. Uh, and I, I got the pleasure of making some rosin from his uh, secret cup entry as well. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was epic. You know, one of the best parts was during the Secret Cup finals um, we got to have them in uh, the Hashish Hemp uh, Kamino and Marijuana Museum or wait, it's Hashish Marijuana Kamino and Hemp Museum uh, in Barcelona and Kamino is cannabis in in Spanish Uh, it's a 15th century building and uh, Ben Drunkers, uh, I believe he's since he seeds, uh, he did a 15-year restoration on this 15th-century building before he put the uh, museum in there. And he's got another museum in uh, in Amsterdam, but this one is over the top. I mean, there are pieces of history from everything that you could imagine that cannabis has touched, whether it's textiles or medicine or recreational culture or, you know, so many different facets of society um, were represented uh, through its love of cannabis. And uh, so I was fortunate enough to go to the awards ceremony, which is uh, one of two times that uh, anybody's ever been able to smoke cannabis in the museum because it's usually strict no smoking you know that because it's a museum they don't want the artifacts uh, damaged and uh, so we got to we got the smoke in there which was really wonderful with all the uh, all the judges of the secret cup and uh, I was having a little conversation with one of the judges and and bubble man Mark he uh, he yells over to me Jeff Jeff get over here and I walk over there and he's like hey you want to make some rosin and I'm like yeah yeah get me an adapter because I had a US one needed the European plug so okay give me a minute and I walked back over to my conversation that he pulled me away from and literally 10 seconds later he's Jeff Jeff I got the adapter come on back and I'm like okay okay and so I walk over there and uh, he says here here come come have my seat and I'm like okay okay and I look to the right uh, and it's Mark Emery and Jody Emery sitting there. I didn't didn't see them at all before. And, uh, and he's like, I want you to make some rosin for these guys. They've never seen it, never tried it. They want to try it. They want to see it. And so uh, Jody gave me uh, a flower, um, and I, I pressed it up and and uh, made some flower rosin for Mark Emery, and he got to have his first dab of it. And then uh, she gave me another bud, and I pressed it up and. Uh, and packed one for for her and one for myself and it was uh, it was just really enjoyable to be able to bring this new technique out to so many people in the world and have people that I really respect highly just blown away by this and and, and it, it really showed me you know how you were talking about the ground shaking earlier you know I mean that is really what Rosen is doing right now and it's it's crazy it's it, it's uh yeah it, it, it's it's quite quite an adventure but, but Spain was was wonderful lots of good cured meats there and, and uh, <laughs> good good fun time but 
Yeah. Right on. Well, that sounds like a really great thing. Now, you've, you've told us all sorts of really cool stories. If folks want to follow your social media feeds uh, to see, you know, pictures of, of you pressing rosin for Mark Emery or any of your other adventures, where can they go to find you? So on Instagram, I am at Campus Reverend. Um, and on Facebook, you can find me as Jeff Church, although, you know, friend request, I'm not always on top of that but you can go at least follow me and see um i cross post most things from instagram to uh facebook but instagram is really where i'm at that's uh you know like i said earlier it's it's where the wealth of knowledge is right now and where all the knowledge is being transferred is instagram at the moment so right on well thank you jeff um we've been listening to jeff church also known as cannabis reverend Jeff Church is an internationally respected hash producer and researcher and owner of Conscious Extracts and is also vice president of research and development at Think Extracts in Washington State. I am Shango Lose, founder of the Vashon Island Marijuana Entrepreneurs Alliance. Thank you for listening to Gondrepreneur.com.